Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Bible Baptist Church. Thankful for Pastor giving me the opportunity to preach. I've always, I've always been intrigued by legacies that have been left in life. Uh, we just uh, had a um, memorial service for Luis Hungerpiller about a year, uh, year, um, week and a half ago, and just to hear the legacy that she left, uh, her and her husband had left on this life with her family and with those lives that they had touched with training, Bible training, all of those things. And I've, I've just been intrigued by a life that has been left that gives a legacy for others to follow. And this morning, I want us to look into God's Word about legacies and what our legacy is going to be when we die and we move on and meet our Savior face to face. But I want you to see two legacies this morning uh, as I give them both to you as illustration. We'll start off, we'll meet the first person, then we'll meet the second person, and then we'll dive into God's Word and we will draw some application from Scripture and then we'll be done this morning. The first person, his name is Jared. He's a brand new father to a son. This son grew up as any normal boy would. He had friends and a family that surrounded him and loved him. This son would love something greater than life. This son would love the creator of life. He had a lot of negative influences in his life. He had a cousin close to him that had a major anger issue. One day this cousin was injured by someone else, and in anger he, his cousin murdered them. Another time he was struck by a young man in anger, he murdered that person also. And although Jared's son had no spiritual influence around him except for his own father, he gave his life to serving the Lord and walking with him. Relatively early in life, the Lord saw fit to take Jared's son very suddenly home to be with him in paradise. Although heartbroken, I'm sure, Jared knew that his son was in the presence of the ultimate father, the one whom his son dedicated his life to. Even in the midst of tragedy, there was comfort from the heavenly father for Jared. The second individual, this young man, ended up having a, a, a full and long life. He grew up in a solid Christian family and had a father that loved the Lord. As he came in from playing with his friends from the outside, his dad would sit him down in his lap and talk to him about all the things that he had learned with his, from his time with the Lord that day. His father would take long walks in which he would just talk with the Lord. This son wasn't super interested early on, but would later appreciate the, the strong influence that his dad had on him spiritually. As he grew, he then began to interact with his father and converse more about, with him about the Lord. This young man would then get married and start a family of his own. He too had a son and would bring him over to Grandpa E's home, as he was commonly known. One day, the son went to catch his father for another talk about the Lord, but upon arriving at the house, found the house to be dark and empty, quiet. So he walked in, and sure enough, no one was home. He then went out to try to find his father and could not. He went down the trail in which he knew his father would take every day to talk with the Lord. Well-worn trail, but no traces of his father were found. He went back home and decided to continue on the legacy that his father had given on to him. Methuselah would do just that. 
He would leave a legacy for his own son, Lamech, to follow. And Lamech would then leave a legacy for his son, Noah, to follow. The son and the father that left this life seemingly too soon were the same individual. His name is Enoch. In Genesis chapter 5, we come to a legacy passage. We find the genealogies. And it's so easy when you're reading through Scripture to pass over the genealogies because this person begat this person, he lived this long, and he died. And it continues to go through that pattern. And so our mind just kind of wanders as we're reading through names, numbers, and deaths. But in Genesis chapter 5, if you slow down and you read what's going on here, you will see the legacy of a was-not. That's the title of the message this morning, the legacy of a was-not. We don't know much about Enoch, but here are the verses that we find in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jared lived in hundred sixty and two years and begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived 180 and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and nine years and he died. And Lamech lived in hundred. Eighty and two years, and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Let's go before the Lord together in prayer. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We know that all of it is uh, practical and it's all given by inspiration to help us today, even this genealogy that we read. And Lord, may we learn some things this morning from Enoch's life so that we too can leave a legacy that is passed on from generation to generation so that others may walk with you as well. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. There's not a lot of verses about Enoch through Scripture. You find him in Genesis chapter 5, you find him in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, and you also find him in Jude 14. I just finished up uh, my personal study on Jude, and there's a lot of correlation between Jude and Enoch. In fact, as Jude, as, as the, the theme of the book goes, he starts off the book, he says, Jude, uh, Jude, servant of Jesus, brother of James, he tells the readers that it was, my, it was my goal to talk to you about our common salvation, but I've changed my topic. I'm going to talk to you about the apostasy and the world around us today. And so he goes on to talk about the apostasy and, and false teachers and the danger that's in this world. And in, in the midst of bringing up names uh, such as Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and, uh, and uh, Balaam, he then throws in Enoch right in the middle. And he talks about Enoch's life. And it's, it's real short. It's one verse. And we'll look at it here in a minute. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer would then talk about all the great heroes of the faith. And one of those is Enoch. And in verse 5 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God hath translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. 
what can we learn from Enoch's life? A life that was lived 365 years on this earth, and yet just a handful of verses. Well, let's start by just pulling out some things from Scripture on what we see from Enoch's life. Then we'll take those things and apply those things to our life this morning. And then hopefully walk out of here with the goal of having a legacy that can be left so that those behind us will continue to walk with God. The first thing that I see in Enoch's life is that he had a testimony. He had a testimony. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5 tells us that he had this testimony. What was this testimony? Finishes the verse saying that he pleased God. And I don't think it's any, any coincidence that the very next verse, verse 6, talks about how we can please God. I think that the writer, as he penned Enoch's name down, knew the stories of Jared's son or of Grandpa E or of Enoch that walked with God so closely that he penned these next words in verse 6 and says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 5, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Enoch had a testimony, and others knew what that testimony was. He had faith in God when the cultural norm around him did not have faith in God. He believed that God was real, but he did not stop with the belief that God was real. It went beyond that. He diligently sought Him. He took walks with Him. I wonder what those walks were like. Obviously, those walks were so close that one day God said, you're not going to end up at your house, you're going to end up at my house. One day we'll end up at God's house. And the legacy that we leave will either guide people to the Savior to walk with Him, or will steer them away from the Savior that loves them so much that we heard sung about this morning. Enoch had a testimony. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 22 says, And Enoch walked with God. Just a few verses before, or a few verses after, verse 24, and Enoch walked with God. Twice in this line of genealogies, it mentions that Enoch walked with God. He had a testimony so that when people sat down and started pinning these gene genealogies, and years later began to write the New Testament, the testimony was that Enoch walked with God. That was his testimony. And I also see that he had a job to do. It wasn't just enough to say, this is my time with the Lord, and I'm going to uh, hermit myself away from society. He had a job to do. And in Jude, verse 14, you'll find that job. It says, in, uh, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. His job was against culture. His job was against the current society. His job was to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ years before He even surfaced this earth. He proclaimed the good news of the gospel. God is coming with 10,000 of His saints. That was His job. I'm sure it was unpopular, as we'll see what the society was like. I'm sure that it was uncomfortable. But He did it anyway. Enoch was raptured to heaven just 70 years before Noah. 
and we know how bad things were then. God sent a flood to destroy the earth. Just 70 years before Noah, Enoch was proclaiming the good news of the gospel. I know society probably wasn't that great then. If just 70 years later, God destroys the earth with a flood. Genesis chapter five and ver- uh, 6 and verse 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great on the, in the earth, and that every imagination and of the thoughts of his, hearts, or his heart was only evil continually. The society that Enoch lived in, as I did some study, was demonic and paganistic. Regardless of how you take Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2, we can definitely draw out from Scripture that the society in which Enoch was living was demonic and paganistic. There was marriage being had between nations. There were gods and idols being passed from family to family. And the cultural norm was not to believe in Jehovah. It is said of the Greek gods that the Greek gods are but remnants of what was evident before the flood. I'm not sure how true that is, but a lot of commentators will make that, make that statement. That the Greek gods that we know that, Gr- that Greece had are but remnants of the gods that were evident in the life of Enoch and the life of Noah. The society was also depraved. The, the word evil continually in Genesis chapter 6 uh, is the Hebrew word for poneros. Uh, it, it has this idea uh, in Matthew chapter, I think it's Matthew chapter 24 maybe, God uses this word as well. It, it's this idea of we get, we get our word pornography from it. Poneros, evil. It also has the idea of bad, corruption, kakos, or the corruption, the lewdness, the depravity of mankind. Enoch lived in a pornographic society. He lived in a society that was not given to the faithfulness of one man and one woman. He lived in a society that was depraved. And and this lifestyle was acceptable to everyone. This society was demonic and paganistic. It was also depraved and it was dynamic. It was a successful society. Cain's line actually produced multiple talented people. Okay, there's a lot, there are a lot of issues in the line of Cain. But from the line of Cain, there's actually a lot of success, a lot of prosperity. You can see that just from the names that are mentioned here. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 20, you see more genealogies here. There's Jabal, or otherwise known as the rover. He was a merchandiser or a maker of tents. It says he was the father of such that dwell in tents. Then you've got Jubal. And from that word, you can, uh, you, that name, you can see how our name Jubilee comes to fruition. As it says, and he bare uh, Jubal, and his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. Then you have Tubal Cain, otherwise known as the hammerer. These, uh, he was what was the beginning of the smith's trades. There's a lot of success and a lot of prosperity that comes out of the line of Cain. And you see these these names are either mentioned as the father of or the instructor of, meaning that they had some importance of the beginning of these things. So while Enoch is uh, being raised up in a society and his cousin Lamech, who's not his uh, grandson Lamech, they're two different people, his cousin Lamech then murders two individuals and these these successes come from from their seed 
and you have music, and you have tents, and you have blacksmiths. You have all these things society-wise that are just booming. And Enoch says, I've got a job to do. And that job is not to make myself popular. That job is not to make myself successful. That job is to know the Lord and to make Him known. This is the society that Enoch was proclaiming the message of the gospel in. These men were constantly being described as a father and the instructor, meaning that this was a successful line here. They were bringing some prosperity to society. And Enoch says, I want to be different. I want to leave a different legacy. I also see that this society was dangerous, as you see that it was filled with violence. It was also diluted. These people had no idea what they were doing to themselves. They were given to drinking and marriage and partying. That was the lifestyle in which they lived. Matthew chapter 24, verses 38 and 39, Christ even refers back to this society. It made such an impact. He says, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The job that Enoch had was to proclaim the gospel to people before it was too late. A society that didn't see their need of a Savior. They were deluded. This is the society that Enoch lived in. And I'll venture out and say that this society sounds an awful lot like the society that we have today. Paganistic. Dynamic. Successful. Prosperity. The American dream. But depraved. Corruption. Lewdness. Depravity. Pornography is one of the leading industries in the United States. This is the society in which we live. What legacy will we leave for the generations that come after us? Will they too, like Noah, and we'll see here in a minute, that Noah walked with God, and I firmly believe that Noah walked with God because his great-grandfather made it a point to in the society in which he was growing up in that he would walk with God. And that passed to Methuselah, and that passed to Lamech, and it got all the way down to Noah, and we know that what the Lord says about Noah. He walked with God. I also see that Enoch made an impact on the people around him. Enoch was a spiritual giant. He may not have been looked at as a spiritual giant while he was alive. He may have been looked at as too old-fashioned or stickler for the rules or the God follower or the one absent from the parties. But once he was gone, he was missed. We see in Scripture, he was missed so much that he was looked for. Because the Bible tells us, and he was not found. He made an impact on the lives that were around him for the cause of Christ. Others would then go and walk with God. Others would make a decision not to walk with God, and they were not found on the ark. If he hadn't made an impact on the lives of people, no one would have went out and looked for him. He would have just kind of been gone. Oh, what, what, oh yeah, what happened to him? No, people went out and looked for him. He was not found. I can only imagine if Enoch knew that his time was coming, which he could have. His walk with God was so close, 
I wonder if he knew that that would be his last walk. But let's, let's say that he did know. What would he have said to Methuselah? I'm sure it would have been, Methuselah, I won't be back home. But I want you to keep walking with God. Lamech, come here. I won't be back home. But I want you to walk with God. And I want you to pass down that legacy to the people that are below you as well. And Lamech would bring into the world Noah. And Noah would remember the words of Christ from Enoch, his walk with God, passed on this legacy to him, and he would continue to share that with Noah. I also see that he stood alone. While his cousin decided to live a life of godlessness, Enoch decided to live a life of godliness. You see in Genesis chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, you see Enoch's cousin. His name is Lamech, and it says, And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zilhah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Men, I strongly encourage you not to talk to your wives that way. <laughs> Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. I'll just go off topic and just say our decisions bring lasting results. Not just to us, but to our future generations. Lamech's children were very successful. They're very popular. We see their names today. They're very advanced. And yet, Enoch took the lonely road by himself. The Lord would then see fit to extend his usual walk with Enoch all the way to his house, and Enoch was not, but he left a legacy. The same God that reminded the children of Israel that he would always be with them is the same God that we have today. I'm sure things were difficult for Enoch. Majority of society was going their own way, was depraved, demonic, was dynamic, was deluded. And yet Enoch says, I'm going I'm to stand alone. What does the Bible tell us that God will do as we walk through difficulty, as we walk through a society that is antagonistic against the gospel in which we're preaching? Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. He's talking to Israel. O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the, the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. We have a promise from the God of, of, of Israel that he will be with us through difficulty in society. And Enoch claimed these promises, although not written yet. He knew the God that he was dealing with. And he stood alone. He also decided early. He decided early in life that he would do this. According to the natural lifespan of the people in this age, Enoch was incredibly young. His father lived to be 962 years, and Enoch's son lived to be 969 years, recorded the longest lifespan to live. Enoch lived until he was 365 years, give or take one-third the life expectancy. One-third the life the expectancy today is give or take 26 years old. So in other words, Enoch in Old Testament doggy years 
decided early on in his life that he was going to walk with God. He decided early that his path was going to be well-worn with Jehovah. A path that would lead him straight to the address of his own father, God. Enoch would leave behind a father, a son, and a grandson of whom would continue this legacy to instill in a man that would be described as a righteous man. His great-grandson, Noah, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. I don't, I don't see any coincidence that Noah walked with God and had no idea that Enoch walked with God. I think he knew. He never grew up to know. He never knew his great-grandfather Enoch. But Methuselah did. Lamech did. And they continued to pass down the legacy of a was-not to Noah as he grew up to be a just and righteous man. A man that walked with God. As I do the math in the years of both Methuselah and Lamech, not the same again as Enoch's cousin, Methuselah would have been alive until the year of the flood. His name means when he dies, judgment. The length of his life is a, an amazing picture that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's a great picture of long-suffering from our Heavenly Father. And then Lamech would have been alive until about five years prior to the flood. We know a lot about Noah. But did you know that Noah had brothers and sisters? Where were they on the ark? Where were they when the floods came? You see, each of us today have to make a personal choice that the legacy that we're going to leave for our, for our generations is going to be one that is leading them to God. Noah had brothers and sisters that chose, seemingly from Scripture, I don't know if they died before the flood, to choose their own way. And yet Noah decided to choose the path of walking with God. I wonder if during the years that Noah was building the ark and possibly getting uh, made fun of, mocked, and scorned for building an ark for rain that no one had ever seen, I wonder if Methuselah had pulled up a chair and was sitting there with Noah, reminding him, keep going. Keep pursuing. Keep living for God when the majority is not. And I wonder if his own, his own father Lamech would pull up a hammer and would begin to hammer nails into that ark and put down gopher wood and the pitch to put it together and lean over to Noah and say, Noah, I'm proud of you. Keep going. The society in which we live today needs fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers that will look at their generations and say, keep going. I know it's difficult. I know society seems that it's just spun out of control. But keep walking with God. And the legacy that Enoch would leave reached generations that he didn't even know. And it's because he decided to walk with God. So what about us? Here's our application this morning. Three simple points. They're very simple. 
but we need to put them into practice. Number one, take time with God. Take time with God. You cannot leave a legacy for the people around you of leading them to the Savior if you don't know the Savior yourself. Get to know your God. Take time with God. God is only pleased with two things. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, He's only pleased with two things. One, that we believe that He exists. I think we all believe this morning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God. We already believe the existence of God. Check one, that's good. But did you know the Bible also tells us, James will remind us in James 2 and verse 19, thou, is, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. It's not enough to believe that God exists. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 reminds us, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. The word seek here is the Greek word that has the idea that you've lost something very dear to your life and you're going to search for it until you find it. Nothing's going to get in the way. For teens, that means, and maybe some young adults, that means that you have set your phone down to go do something and you come back and it's gone or you misplaced it somewhere. Some teens right now may need CPR right now because that causes such a panic attack because their phone is gone. For others, it might be losing your keys, losing the remote to the, t the television, something that you've lost that you say, I'm going to seek it until I find it. Our problem is that we're not, not seeking God. It's not that we can't find Him. Because we're reminded in Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He's seekable. He's findable. And I love it. Every time you lose something and you go to get somebody's help and you say, oh, I've lost my phone. I've lost my wedding ring. I've lost my keys. I've lost the television remote. I've lost it. And someone thinks that they're smart enough to give you the comment, what? It drives me insane. Where did you... Where did you last see it? Well, if I knew that, then I wouldn't have it lost right now. Where did you last see it? Let me ask you this question. Where's the last place you left God? Where's the last place you left God? Where's the last place that you saw Him face to face? Nightstand? Desk? Car? We should really be bringing God with us all along the way. Don't set him down and continue on your day by yourself. Take time with God. Seek him diligently. It's the idea that I'm going to gain as much from God as I can. And we know that we cannot, our human minds cannot hold every truth or piece of information about our God. We'll be doing that for all of eternity. But while we're here, we ought to be diligently seeking him out. Diligently. Our problem is that we cannot... It's not that we cannot find God. Our problem is that we're not seeking Him and doing so diligently. So again, the question is, where's the last place you left God? Are you seeking Him diligently? Take time with God. Number two, talk about God. These are all truths that we find from Enoch's life. He talked about the Lord. We see it in Jude 14. Talk about the Lord. According to a, a blog that Paul Patron wrote, 
a few years back in a LinkedIn blog, the average human being speaks at least 7,000 words a day. The number was much higher for ladies, but we won't make that point this morning. At least 7,000 words a day is the average. I wonder how many of those words are used to talk about God. Of those 7,000, let's just say it's 7,000. How many of those 7,000 words mention God or what He's done in your life? How many words in your vocabulary remind the world that there is a God? Do your coworkers even know that you believe in God? Have you chosen to leave God out of conversations? For Enoch, being a preacher of righteousness, his vocabulary included the good news about what God was going to do. For Noah, his vocabulary included the good news about what God was going to do. For you this morning, your vocabulary should explain to everybody around you what God has already done. And yet so often we realize in our vocabulary that it's very, very rare that we talk about God, talk about what He's done in our life, and share Him with other people. So here's the question. Is God in your vocab? Third, He had a testimony for God. We should also have a testimony for God. Enoch left a legacy. What was that? That he walked with God. Noah left a testimony. What was that? That he walked with God. The legacy of Enoch far surpassed that of his own children. It went to the third and fourth generation. And we're reminded in Deuteronomy 5 verse 9, the, the negative results of a life that is not lived for the Lord. It says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God, visiting even the iniquity of, uh, of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. For Enoch, it was the opposite of that. He decided that he was going to walk with God. So there was far-reaching blessings and benefits of that, of children that decided to walk with God. And for us this morning, our decision to walk with God not only has Uh, has results for us, but it also has results for our own children and their children. If we do not decide to walk with God, guess what? Our children most likely will not either. Again, we do not choose for them. They must choose themselves, but we must have a testimony for the Lord. Teenagers, if you've got godly parents, praise the Lord for them. Parents, if you've got Godly parents, praise the Lord for them. Godly grandparents, praise the Lord for them. And continue to walk in the things that they have taught you from God's Word. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that type of influence from a, from a father, a mother, a grandfather, a grandmother. Start now with you. Start a new legacy that will go to the next generations. But don't quit. Keep going. Keep leaving a trail for others to follow. Uh, a couple, a few weeks ago, I was... I went into our kitchen only to see the massacre of uh, Buzz the Bee, if you know who that is. That is the Honey Nut Cheerio guy that's on the, the Cheerio box. I uh, saw a massive massacre, and, and uh, all the remnants were all over the floor. It was not me. It was not Rachel. Uh, it was one of our three dear children. And so all of these Cheerios were all over the floor, and I looked up onto the counter to see an empty box of Honey Nut Cheerios with Buzz the Bee looking at me with that creepy little smile like that. Yeah, that just happened. And so I look around and I notice a little trail that comes out of the kitchen into the living room. So as a natural parent would, 
I decided to follow that trail. So I follow one Cheerio at a time, looking ahead, all the way, and it wasn't like it was like purposely placed. It was, you know, there were Cheerios here, Cheerios there, Cheerios there. So you could kind of hop around to see where this child went. So I, I come around the couch to the corner only to find Haven with that same creepy little smile in the corner with a bunch of Honey Nut Cheerios. My thought to myself was, you left the trail so easy for me to follow. Can I get real with you this morning? Our, our, our trail that we leave ought to be so easy that others follow. Paul had this type of uh, legacy. He had this testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. He says, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. He's not being proud in this moment. He's saying, listen, my goal is to follow Christ. My goal is to walk with Christ. And I'm leaving a trail. I hope you'll follow. As a parent, as a grandparent, as a father, we celebrate Father's Day next Sunday, leave a trail so easy that your own legacy, your own legacy goes down to your own children, that they know mom, dad, they love God. Grandma, grandpa, they walk with God. And if there are no children in the picture, listen, this legacy isn't just a family legacy. This is a legacy that you leave for the people at your workplace. This is a legacy that you leave for the people in your classroom. This is a legacy that you leave for the people in the doctor's office. This is a legacy that everyone around knows that you walk with God. Have a testimony. We must first take time with God. We must seek Him diligently. It's not enough just to believe that He is. Teens, can I get real with you? I've gotten real with you a lot. But I'll remind you, your parents can make you come to church. Your parents can make you do your devotions. Your parents can make you serve in the church. But what they can't make you do is please God. That's your choice. Parents, you can muster up enough energy to come to church, serve, do your devotions, spend time in prayer, but that doesn't mean that you're pleasing God. Believe that He is and seek Him diligently. And then your vocabulary. In your vocabulary, is, is God coming out? Is what God has done for you coming out in your speech? It, just, it should just sweat out of your, your lips. You know when you're outside in a hot Georgia day and you just automatically sweat? When you go into a, a society that is much like Enoch society and you walk into that society, God should just pour out of you because you've been walking with Him. No one should squeeze you and God come out. It should just automatically come out of your lips. Your vocabulary should claim the name of Christ. And then last, you should have a testimony for the Lord. If you were to get a, receive a message this morning from God telling you that today you were going to go on a walk with Him and it would be the last walk that you would take on the face of this earth and you would end up in heaven with Him, what would you do with your life? Obviously, you cannot change the world in one night. So that's off, off the picture there. I hope, realistically, that you would get serious about spending time with the Lord. I hope that you would get serious about telling others about Him. And I hope that you would be serious about leaving a legacy, a testimony for others to follow when you're gone. So why not live that way now? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today could be our last walk. So what legacy are we leaving? The legacy of a was not is a man, one-third the life expectancy, was walking here on this earth, 
and then was gone. And all we know about him is that he walked with God, he preached the message of God, and he left a legacy, a lasting legacy for others to talk about. If nothing else in this world, I hope that our legacy when we pass from this life and the next is not, boy, dad, he, he's really good at what he does. He's really good at work. He's really good at talking with other people. Oh, boy, mom, she's really good at making things, baking things. I hope that the legacy that we leave to our children is that mom loved God. Dad loved God. They walked with God. They talked about God. And now I'm reaping the benefits of a legacy that has been left to me. Those things are the most important things that you will leave for your kids. is a legacy of a life that loved time with God, that loved talking about God, and that loved leaving a trail for others to follow. So, senior saint, grandparents, the job's not done. As long as you're breathing, your legacy is still living and you're still making it. The job is not done. Parents, don't quit now. I know there's frustrations. I know there's growing pains, but don't quit now. And teenager, get started. Enoch was very young when he decided to walk with God. And that's, that's an admonition to us this morning that are young. Get started now. Don't wait for later. Walk with God now. So here's the question. What legacy are you leaving? Let's stand as we uh, close the service. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.